Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Second Kings 22, I want to read a, we're going to jump around just a little bit so that you know if you're one of those people that need to know. Uh, or likes to know, I'm going to read verse 8, then I'm going to read verse 11, and then we're going to read verses 18 and 19, okay? If you want to take three of your fingers and make them. (laughs) And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Isn't that something? They found God's book in God's house. Scary thing is it had been lost there. Something every person in this room needs to know is you can, if you're not careful, walk out and leave the word here. (laughs) And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. I don't want us to just have it. I want us to read it. Jump down, verse 11. And it came to pass... When the king had heard the words of the book, this is King Josiah we're talking about, when he heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. He tore his clothing, okay? Now, this is not our current custom, but in their day, this was the custom. He tore his clothing in great anguish. It was obvious that the word affected him greatly. Please catch that. The word affected him greatly internally, and it became on display in his wardrobe. Verse 18. The only reason I say wardrobe there is because if you want to take time later and read the entire chapter, you can read about the family lineage to which they would be sent, and they would actually go, and they're headed towards the prophetess. They're headed towards the prophetess, but she's there in connection to the home where they are the keepers of the wardrobe in the temple. Verse 18, this was the response of the prophetess. After speaking that destruction was coming, destruction was coming. Her response was this, but to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, She said, I want you to take this word back to Josiah since he was so moved by the reading of the word and he sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. I want to preach for a little while this morning on Josiah's response. 
Josiah's response. I want you, if you will, to pray with me all over this house that the word might be able to accomplish its intended task for this setting today. Would you lift your voices with me all over the building? <clears throat> oh God of heaven and earth, we come to you right now asking your word to speak to us. Help me to articulate with wisdom and clarity to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Help me, O oh God, that I might relay to your people what your word is trying to say today. Help us that we might be effective for the sake of the kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name and let everyone shout amen. amen. God bless you and you may be seated here this morning. I begin our message today in the form of a question. How would you like an eight-year-old leader? <laughs> How would you like an eight-year-old leader? Now, I think we have all seen this in action. We've all been in a scenario where we were trying to figure out which one was the parent. Little King Tut needs a slap on his. Eight years old when his father is assassinated. Eight years old and lineage places him in this place of leadership. Those that are a part of the education field. Many of you have seen eight-year-olds who think they should run the class. Some of you know parents who might agree. Oh. But I think everyone in the room, if we're honest, we would say that's not a great idea for an eight-year-old to be the leader of the kingdom, except for Brother Marshall, this eight-year-old who was not even a junior Bible quizzer, was the first man in Multiple generations, not man, boy, who stood up and with the weightiness of a voice that had not even cracked yet. There was no depth to his voice. There was no maturity to his voice because there was no maturity to his life. But at eight years old, he began to declare, I think we ought to live for God. That's pretty shocking. And yet, isn't it true, those that are in this room, many of us have witnessed that it was not the parents, but it was a child that began to turn an entire family. God is no respecter of persons, neither is he a respecter of ages. Once a heart turns tender towards him, it is inevitable that when a person makes up their mind, regardless of their age, to live for God, 
that it will affect not only them, but it will affect those that are around them. He is the son of a wicked father, and he is the child born into a woeful lineage. They are not a lineage of great godly kings. But there was a little ways back a man by the name of David. David is a guy that they could draw strength from. In fact, Josiah would. And the way that kingships go, I, I want to give you the numbers here, okay? In the time of kingship here in a stretch of 20 kings, less than half of them could be called good. Less than half of them could be called good before the Lord. But the one that stands out is the eight-year-old. Now, I want to overemphasize this. And yes, I'm dragging it out just a little bit. But I want you to imagine, Brother Romine, the day that the eight-year-old ascends to the throne. How did that conversation go in the coffee shop? So who do you think's next? I've, I've heard Josiah. Isn't Josiah like four years old? No, I think he's 10. Somebody speaks up Earl from the corner. That boy's eight years old. Can you imagine the ripple through the kingdom when an eight-year-old has ascended to the throne? And yet an eight-year-old that serves faithfully and would end up being the king for the next 31 years. We lose him at the ripe old age of 39. Just a young man, seemingly in his prime. And if we're not careful, we don't think anyone's even qualified for leadership until they get to that age. It's a dangerous thing that we'll let kids in our world fly million-dollar planes at 18, but we won't trust them to teach Sunday school. It's why we've got a Bible college. It's why we've got a school. When the average disciple was about 16 years old, I don't think we need to let our kids get to where they're 25 and then hope that they'll live for God, hope they'll do something for the kingdom. Yeah, but Brother Carson, you ought to take a look around the world how wicked it was. Josiah proves to me that there can be wickedness for generations and all it takes is one kid, one young man or one young lady that will make up their mind that they want to do the will of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is a generation that's rising up right now in 2022 that is able to look at the wickedness of the generation and look at the debauchery of sin all around and they're still saying, but as for me, as for me and as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live for God regardless of what's taking place. Amen. And at 16 years old, there's this process that's taking place in the temple. And there's this, this work that's happening. And while they are in the process of working on the temple, it's not lost on me the collection that was occurring. They were collecting money and, and the temple uh, revitalizing was going to be taking place. And they had been collecting this money. Can you imagine what it must have been like when the word comes to Josiah we found the law. Where was it? Right where we left it. 
You know what's amazing? You typically find God right where you left him. You typically find the word right where you left it. It is the, uh, it is the truth for every person in this room, me included, that his word is always dependent upon us to carry it with us, to walk it out of the house with us. I want, I want solid word in the house, but I need solid word in my heart. I want there to be preaching in the church, but I want there to be preaching in my heart. I want it to find lodging. I don't want to get years down the road and somebody have to come up and blow the dust off that book and say, good news, we found where the word has been. It should not get dusty in the church and it should not get dusty in our hearts. The word of God should not be lost. Listen, it should not be lost in our hearts and it should not be lost in our homes. Most of the time, if you'll just look to find the word, you'll find it exactly where you left it. We're not too many generations from removed from when everybody did family devotion in their house. Come on, now you feel like the Waltons when you do it. I'm going to tell you, we've got to get past caring what anybody in society says when we gather in our living rooms and break open the Bible. I'm not embarrassed every night of the week. We break that devotional open and we even let our children begin to read from the scripture and begin to read out into our living room. Why? I want hell to be served notice. We're not going to lose the word in this out. We cannot afford. We cannot afford. Your family cannot afford. College student, you cannot afford. Elder, you cannot afford to lose the word of God in this hour. They find the word of God, and so Josiah asks for it to be read to him. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, he's still only 16 years old. Now, I definitely don't want an eight-year-old telling me what to do. And I don't feel much better about 16. Brother Ranking, there ain't one of your boys come to you at 16 years old and said, Dad, this is what we need to do. And you say, I've been waiting on you to give me direction. You give them some leather direction, I guarantee it. 16 years old, and they read the word of God. But watch this tender-hearted young man's response. He's been watching wickedness for generations. And I'm telling you, there's wickedness still to come. But here he is, firmly fastened and placed by God in this generation, in this opportunity, 16 years of age. And they begin to read the law. They're not reading pro Proverbs. They're, they're not tiptoeing through the Psalms for him. There is no New Testament gospel for them to read. They're reading from the law and when they read from the law it so grips his heart that the Bible says in anguish he rents his clothes and he begins to weep because he hears about destruction that's coming for the people 
When he hears what's going to happen, if they don't turn towards the Lord, that, that, that Josiah king, that, that 16 year old, he rents his clothes and, and he begins to call on the name of the Lord and he sends word to the prophetess and says, get us an answer. And the prophetess sends back the word. Everything he's read is true and all of the destruction is coming. But I've also got a word for you to give to that king because he responded to my word. I want you to let him know God has heard him because you cannot respond to the word of God without the God of the word watching your response and hearing your response and moving to where you are. I need to tell somebody this morning, he still hears when you pray. He still knows when you believe the when you believe the word, he notices it. When you cry out, he hears it. He is aware of our reverence for the word. 16 years old, Brother Matthews isn't in here. 16 years old, just a member of the youth group. He hears the word and Josiah goes crazy. He loses it. He starts cutting down idols. 16 years old. I don't care who wanted to listen to him. He walks out bold in the Holy Ghost and says, I got some news. I want you to find every idol and I want you to topple it. I want you to get into every area where they've been worshiping pagan gods and I want you to destroy those. 16 years old. That Picture it with me. His voice is good and broken. Now I want you to. Come on, Screech is giving out orders. 16 years old. But you hear me right now. It wasn't the power of his voice. It was the power of the word he had got a hold of. And he stepped into the most pagan. There had never been a more pagan moment in history. And he stepped to the edge of it. And he said, thus saith the Lord. There will be no other gods but Jehovah. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. There will be no other masters. You cut down those poles. You get rid of the Asher. God. He stepped to the edge and everybody in the kingdom began to topple down the idols and begin to cut down the groves and begin to eliminate all of that. Why were they doing it? I'm going to tell you why they were doing it. Because God was honoring a young man who said, I believe in the word of the Lord. I believe in the word of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is an absolute assault from hell against your family. But if you will get in alignment with the word of the Lord and you'll start speaking against. Where's the dad? Where's the mom that will say, I speak against every idol. I speak against every pagan thing. I speak against every. How about that spirit of vaping in our generation? It's not smoking. It'll just be, I speak against every idol. What about that thing that says our kids can watch whatever they want? I speak against every idol. I topple every flirtation. I come against it. Josiah, nobody's going to like you. I don't care if they like me. I want God to know that I believe in his word, that I believe in the truth of worshiping him. There'll be no other gods before him. Oh, clap your hands and magnify God if you want to live that way. J 
Josiah, they're not going to sing your praises. I don't want them to sing my praises. I want them to sing his praises. Josiah, they're not going to put your face on any coins. I don't want them to put my face on a coin. I want them to know that there is one God. Somebody shout amen. Amen. What difference could he make? Brother Mac, he made a big difference. What difference can one person make? He's got family failure written all through his history. What difference can he make? I'll tell you what difference he can make. He's got, he's got groups of people binding together with him that wouldn't, didn't even talk to each other. Read it. Do a little history on it. He's working with Samaria, working with Arius, that they would never bind in agreement. And all of a sudden, here he comes in 16, bold enough to just not care, and says, um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little feast thing. Let's do this. Let's, let's have a feast. Let's get everybody together, get them real good and full, and then let's, let's go idle tipping. A little different than barbecue and cow tipping. You know what we ought to feel like every time we feast on the word? We ought to walk out of here full and ready to do some idle tipping. We ought... We ought to walk out of here and walk back into our homes. Listen, the sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. It ought to walk us into our homes and say, I know I'm not going to be your best friend, but I'm going to tip this idol over and I'm going to get it out of our house. I'm going to tip... I'm going to tip this filth over and I'm going to get it out of our house. How are we going to get everybody in agreement? Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to get back to worshiping the Lord. We won't look the same. We won't talk the same. We won't act the same. But there will be one common denominator. We believe there is no God like Jehovah. He is the one and the true Lord. All throughout history, people have been being knit together for destruction. They couldn't agree on anything, Brother Turner, until there was destruction. You watch it every time. You look at the last 15 years of unrest in the United States. People that don't even like each other will riot together. Destruction is in their, na- in their nature. We had tragedy in Ferguson some handful of years ago. And some of you remember made national news. I was walking into Gold's Gym two or three times a week playing basketball. Gold's Gym. Everybody different skin color in that room. People were calling me about those riots. And you hear me right now. What happened was wrong. But what happened wasn't any more wrong than those riots were. National news is covering it peddling that on the news media and looking at what was taking place there in Ferguson and they were showing a thousand people in the march. What they didn't tell you was 900 plus people when documented had traveled in from out of town to stir that mess up. That wasn't the community of Ferguson. That was outside people who were set on disruption, burning our buildings and burning our businesses and smashing in our targets and Oh, Pastor Carson, it was injustice. You better believe it was injustice. But I'm going to tell you right now, the root of all that is sin. The destruction of all that, all that working together, the root of that is hell. It's as much the root of hell as racism is. It's all tied together. It is the the destruction of what is right and what is righteous. 
those things working together, but people have always bound together at times like this to bring destruction. But I'm telling you, there has also always been a group that would bind together when it's time to bring the unrighteous down. There has always been a group of people and it, and it seems to be unnatural to you. It seems to be tough. It seems to, it seems to be almost against the grain because we try to be peacemakers and we try to be kind. But the one place we cannot afford to make peace is with idolatry. We can't, we cannot afford to make, I hope this, is this too strong? I hope this is all right right now. I, I, we cannot afford to make peace with paganism. We got to love the sinner, but we got to hate the sin. And I'm telling you right now, there is a absolute assault against the things of God. And there are idols popped up on every street corner and they're putting up idols on billboards and they're putting idols across and making them. We got idols on screens held in our hand. We got idols in our homes. We, and there has to be a group of people that will rise to the occasion and will stand up and say, wait a minute, this is enough. Turn to two or three people and tell them, no idols in my, in my house. Come on, tell them, no idols in my house. And Josiah said, I got everybody right here around me to agree. So what if we, what if we press on a little bit? Let's have a little meal. Let's, let's get some people together. What if, we, what if we press it a little bit farther? Read about the Feast of Hezekiah. Read on through it. Look at the, 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 the way that they come together. Isn't it something that happens powerfully when God's people begin to come together and they begin to work together like a symphony being orchestrated and you have all different instruments playing together and, and the cadence comes together and the pitch and the sound and the tone and all of a sudden it starts working in unison and one with another, people that don't look the same, people that don't even necessarily talk the same. In this room right now, we have Hispanic brothers and sisters. We're having such great Spanish revival, we don't have enough headsets for the amount of Spanish-speaking folks in the room right now. We're trying. What happens if we don't all have the same skin tone? What happens if we don't all come from the same house? What happens if we don't all look? i tell you what happens. We all come together under one umbrella, and that umbrella is the name of the Lord. The Lord God, Jehovah, Jehovah Nishi. Come on, he's my banner. Josiah, what are you doing? I'm saying enough is enough. I'm saying enough is enough. I'm saying enough is enough. That was Josiah's response. And I'm telling you, I think God's ear is turned towards the church right now. And he's wanting to know our response in the hour. And our response is we believe your word. We trust your word. We trust your report. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you can just make up your mind today? Aren't you glad Josiah didn't get this question from God? Speak to me about your history. Oh, I got like eight years. Um, what, are you, what are you repenting of at eight? Oh, my history. You mean my family. I'm glad my family can't disqualify me. <laughs> oh, you know I'm talking to you now. Some of you felt that shoot through you. 
Glad your family can't disqualify you. Your father's actions, your grandfather's actions, your uncle's actions, they do not determine your actions. They do not determine your actions. Josiah, I'm not asking. Terry walked into the church. Terry, Terry Richard walked into the church several years ago, about a decade or so ago, walked into a church, had been away from God for 22 years. Away from God for 22 years. I was in my living room praying this morning, and the Lord prompted me to this story. I'm speaking to somebody who's been away from God for a while. You hear me. God told me to tell this story so that you'd hear it. So you listen to me right now. He had been away from God for 22 years. Over two decades, he had strayed from, call, strayed from God and from the call of God that was on his life. He walked in. How many know it only takes one good altar call? Woo! Only one good altar call. Brother Sleva, one good altar one good altar call. The devil had been lying to him for 22 years, telling him you can never go back. You can never return to church. God will never use you. What happened in your family is too bad. It's too big and you're too far gone. But I've got news for you. When the devil keeps whispering to you, it's probably because he knows if you actually make a step. When he keeps peddling condemnation to you, you ought to recognize if you actually took a step while he's telling you not to go, he's probably heading back to hell and saying, if they actually go, there's nothing we can do. If they actually pray, there's nothing we can do. If they actually... And Terry walked back into church after 22 years. After 22 years, the preacher got up and preached conviction and preached restoration. And Terry ran down to that altar and threw his hands up and tears began to stream down. Just like Josiah, he felt rent in the presence of God at the preaching of the word. And it wasn't just the hearing, it was the response. Josiah, it's not enough to hear it. It's how do you respond? That prophetess did not have a word for Josiah because he heard the law. She had a response from the Lord for Josiah because of how he responded to the word of God. And Terry responded and threw his hands towards heaven. And those tears began to drip down off of his cheeks and off of his chin. And God restored him and he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you would go to Ohio today, Terry is pastoring two churches right now, right now. Well, that's not possible. Don't you tell God what's possible. And don't you let the enemy tell you, Josiah, your family's too bad. Terry, your history's too bad. No, 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 no. You hear me right now? One moment of response. One moment of response to the word of God. And God will turn his ears toward you. God will turn his eyes to I want you to lift your hands and lift your voices and respond to the word right now. I challenge somebody to throw your hands up and throw your voice up towards heaven and tell him, Lord, I respond to your word. If there be anything in my life that doesn't please you, forgive me. I'm responding to the word of the Lord. Come on, if Josiah could have it, you can have it. If Terry could experience it, you can experience it. 
I'm preaching to somebody right now that wants to step out of your pew and wants to walk down to this altar and say, if Josiah could do it, I can do it. If Terry could do it, I could do it. If they had the opportunity, I've got the opportunity. I wish somebody would step out of your pew right now and walk down to this altar and say, I don't want to just hear the word. I've got to respond to the word. I need God to turn his attention to me. I need God's attention turned towards my family. I need him turned towards my city. I need him turned towards my life. You're not too far gone. You don't have too much history. The world is not too dark. Your family is not too sinful. Your history is not too bad. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Come on, every tongue and every tone in this room.